Hello, I'm Reggie Young. I'm here with Chris. Chris, if you could just take a quick second to tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into this space. For sure. What's up, Reggie? Uh, my name is Chris Gramlich. Uh, I've been in this space since about 2013, 14. Got in this space by accident. Uh, used to work at an e-commerce company and we sold all of our hard goods on our website and I was in charge of buying the hard goods. So I would go to I'd go to suppliers and 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 try to like wheel and deal and try to get product. And uh, our job was to list it on the website. And then we started to dabble in Amazon back in like 2012, 2013, uh, yes. selling just on our own platform, like on Amazon as a third party seller. Uh, these were listings that we did not own. We were like just another buyer or another seller of these items. And so started to learn that. Um, quickly is like, Hey, this is something that I think I could do on my own. Like I, if what's keeping me from starting my own product and selling it on Amazon, kind of like what we're doing here. So quickly, um, quickly looked up on some YouTube videos, early day podcast. There was only like a handful, two, maybe there were like legit people to listen to, um, and quickly sourced product. Uh, my first product was a dog bark collar. Uh, oh, nice. a, a electric item, which I will never touch electric products again. I'll never do that again. And we could dive into that again, but, yeah. uh, it was an electric product, uh, kind of a quick story back and forth with the supplier. They're like, you got to order thousand units. You need to order a thousand units. You got to order a thousand. I'm like, I don't have a thousand units. I'm not doing a thousand units. I need like 75 units. <laughs> so I want something small. So what I ended up doing, this is a good tip. Like if you want to start with a small, uh, small uh, minimum order quantity, is I ended up just buying a thousand of the packaging and just telling the supplier, let me just start with 75 units of the of the item, uh, of the bark collar, because I didn't want to do a thousand of them. And so I committed to a thousand of the packaging, cost me like a couple hundred bucks maybe, but I was able to start with the smaller quantity. And so I started with one case, then one case became two, two cases became four, four cases became eight, and we just kept snowballing, quickly got that up to seven figures really quick. That that product was super, super good at the early days. Um, it was super profitable. It was like a $4 item. We were selling it for like $25, $28. It, you know, it was really good. Uh, I would never do that. Don't do that again. Don't ever get in the dog bark collar. It's not very, it's not very fun. Um, so then I went to shot collars and like electric handheld shot collars, <laughs> like training collars. I started okay. doing those. Wow. I was like, this is great. Yeah. So I started to do that. And then I went to leashes and then uh, I did harnesses and like just all this other stuff. Um, so I quickly got, quickly learned how to do Amazon really quick because by sourcing a lot of items. Uh, but now uh, I went to a local meetup. Uh, so we're fast forward to like 2018. Went to a local meetup here in Kansas City where I'm located at. And it was put on by a company that I, I currently work for uh, called Solozo. And the meetup was just like a bunch of sellers or Really, there was not a lot of sellers. It was me, like a handful of other people, and um, a lot of people that were interested in selling on Amazon, but they haven't started that process yet. So we went around the room and was like, who's on Amazon seller? And literally like five people out of maybe 30 people there were sellers actually selling. Uh, everybody else was either working for Solozo or they just saw a uh, make money online banner and they came to see what this was all about. So uh, kind of... Back to my e-commerce company, uh, shortly thereafter, they let me go. Uh, my position as a buyer was automated. So 
they have a system now that automates all the buying with all the suppliers. So they didn't really need somebody in the middle to kind of control that. Uh, there was another buyer. He's, he was there for years. He's still there. Uh, he does all of it together now. So my position got kind of automated and it was a blessing. Uh, so I went back to Solozo, said, hey, uh, I'm ready to get in the, into this. I think you guys want me. Uh, I'm a seller. I can speak the language. I know all the, like I'm, I'm into it. I can, I know about PPC. Uh, I can help sellers. Let's do it. And so they quickly hired me on and, uh, uh, I've been here since. And I love it. I love it. I get to meet people like you, get to talk to people in the industry, get to talk shop all day. Uh, it doesn't even feel like work anymore, really. Uh, but now I'm in, so I'm in, I got uh, a selling experience. I talk to sellers daily and, and here we are. That honestly sounds like such an awesome story. And then now to just be able to like talk business, talk, like maybe you call it talk and shop. It sounds like just a really fun gig. Like I love talking business. I can talk business all day. Like my the friends who know me know, like I, I honestly never shut up about business. I'm always thinking about something. So I think that's really cool. Your story and definitely a, what I would call like an OG in the Amazon space. Yeah. Really, I meet people that have started before me and I've been in the game a while, maybe like 2015, but when you find someone like 2012, 2013, that's definitely like when I think back to what Amazon must have been back then. When I, when I joined, people were doing like massive, massive uh, discounts and reviews. That, that was the kind of space that I was in. Uh, and I know before then, like more intense things were happening. Could you maybe kind of discuss some of the, like some of the issues that plagued Amazon sellers back when you were- yeah for starting yeah well I'll, I'll tell you that one of the benefits was there was no storage limits you could send in a thousand units and it would be no problem you could send in ten thousand units and it'd be no problem they didn't have uh, monthly storage fees it was just long-term storage fees and it was only like a year so you had a year to get rid of a thousand units without right. being hit with any fees so that was really good uh but there was a lot of also black hat things going on you know mm-hmm. uh, give away the product for 99 percent off get all these reviews and that's what I did that. Like that was the method taught back then, you know, use viral launch, get all mm-hmm. these, get all these reviews and quickly, like with my example with the, uh, the bark collar, you know, you were giving away 10 units a day. And I was like, give me another case. I need another case. And like, you could scale that up really, really quick. Um, and so th- that's what happened. So back in the day, you know, you were able to give away units, uh, for free. There was all these clubs, rebate, not even rebates. They were just coupon clubs. Right. Um, and so that's what we did. And things were a lot looser then. Uh, you were, you didn't have this uh, you know, Bible of terms of service, right? Like, <laughs> like this, uh, like this big list of things that were violations. Um, there was no, there was easier. It was easier to talk to somebody at seller support if you had a, if you needed something to get done on your listing or something. You could simply just call Amazon up. You can still do that now, but. It was a lot easier back back in the day, um, but to to kind of wrap it all together here with with that ninety nine percent off coupon thing that they did and Amazon shut that down. I remember being at a conference when that came out. Um, it was in an October. It was a conference, and everybody got an email saying, you know, no longer accepted the ninety nine percent off. Uh, give give product away for honest feedback. That is no longer going to be accepted against terms of service. People freaking out. Right. People freaking out. People still. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make a product? What am, how am I going to sell an item? And, and you're starting to see the, the the cream rise to the top here. Like people mm-hmm. that are doing really well, that stuck with it, 
Uh, they're, they're still in the game. People that didn't know what they were doing, they quickly got out or they lost their business. They didn't know how to pivot and, and kind of weeded some sellers out. Um, but that's, that's what this is, right? Like there's always things changing and, and I, I'm actually glad that that, like that hammer came down and it kind of cleaned up the, the marketplace. Yeah. And very interesting. I think, I think to myself, I remember when I, and I kind of talked about this on another podcast, when I jumped in and I, I started taking you know, one of four courses that existed back then, right? The content was very slim. The discussion was, you know, go ahead and just give away a bunch of units at 99% off. Here's a bunch of coupon codes. You create the artificial sales velocity. You got, you spam them with emails, postcards, whatever to get the review on the back end, make it things that would be that new sellers now, when discussion happens is like, like you said, the Bible, all of a sudden it's like illegal. Like you're, you know, it's, it's such this, like this really bad stigma about things that used to happen back then that have somewhere to do now is, is, is obviously still such a huge terms of service violation. But I think a lot of sellers, especially new sellers forget a lot of the people who they see in the space who are like ultra mega influencers who've probably been in the space for a while. They, they were doing all these things since then. And I, I generally see and feel that some of these sellers still do a lot of these black hat tactics, but they're just very, very, very good at hiding it. They have like deal groups that they've had for about five, six, seven years. They can trust um, the, you know, the 500, the 1,000 people uh, that are US-based that have a positive review, re- review account. They know how to, how to work the system in a, in a very strong way. So I, sometimes I feel like sellers think when they get into this game that it's super easy and they look up to someone uh, in the space who's done millions and millions, but let's not forget that they've been in this game for a while. Uh, they they kind of have, I, I would say, like first first mover access on how it works, access to these networks. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you can't succeed. It's just I like to try and give new sellers like a little bit dose of humility and and realize like these these ultra mega sellers they're not any more better than than you are when you first started out. Um, yeah. And I agree with you. My my my, my uh, mind shift has happened since starting this whole business. With like sourcing a product is not just sourcing a product, but it's creating a whole brand around it. And like, what is your brand stand for? Like, uh, you know, and you you probably know all this too. But like doing product research, like does the product have does page one have less than a thousand reviews on? It? Like, I I don't even think about that much anymore. Because if the product fits into the brand of the, that I'm selling on Amazon and I've already got a really good following of customers and I've already got a good like influencer group, like those stuff kind of doesn't matter anymore. Cause like, uh, I've already got a good like army behind it where if there's a lot of sellers with thousands of reviews, it, I'll get there. It's going to take some time, but I've got a good like backing for me for that product. And I just got to be there and I, I got to get on page one. And, and I think once you get to a certain level, it becomes marketing. How do you, how do you market the product? And you just got to out market your competition. And so for new sellers starting out, like be, do something you're passionate about. Um, you know, there's a lot of good people out there on, on Instagram. You're one of them. Um, but they, they've, they teach like, just be like a, be passionate about what you want to sell. And, and it just, it becomes more fun, more exciting. Um, so just don't pick random nilly willy nilly products. Maybe do that at the beginning, like right. Maybe do it at the beginning, just kind of get your feet wet, learn the process. But then at some point you got to pivot and you'll go all in with the brand, get a trademark, get brand registered, 
and, and just keep moving forward with it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a ton of work. So I think having something really motivating behind you is very important and it can be un- underestimated in, a, in the most competitive marketplace in the world, in my opinion, which is Amazon. And it's only gotten more competitive. You know, even back then I, I was hearing a lot of these like, you know, do this with the discount reviews and then it changes. And then all of a sudden everyone is like, well, now I can't, now I can't succeed. And then, you know, everyone's blasting out email templates and well, now you just have to change your languaging and how your insert packages are going. And there's always like this maturing marketplace uh, that's constantly evolving. But what doesn't change is like, is your hard work and, and the work ethic that you put behind it. And if something's driving you like, like an actual passion for the niche, you're going to out, outlast the other person. For me, when I j- jumped in and I was doing product research, it was, I was the same way. I made like, I went, I didn't have much money back then to throw into, you know, $5,000 uh, product launches, $10,000 product launches, like every couple of months. So I, I went like super next level of my analysis was making like super, like, super, like really intense spreadsheets and then all kinds of stuff. And like, thankfully with that spreadsheet, I was able to find my winning product. But having been in the game now for seven years, I look back and I'm, I'm at, I'm at the point now where you're talking about it. It's like, you know, does, does it fit the market? If it does, then I'll succeed over time as long as I yeah. have some of these core principles in play. Well, yeah. And then you learn like what works in the market. Like, you know, the keywords to go after, you know, the search terms to go after, you know, what the photos need to look like to make them relate to your customers when they come to your page. You're, you're just more in tune with the, the niche that you're in that, you just got to be there. Like and you, you got to have those products to offer to your, to your customers. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm a little, I was a little bit you know, cautious with product research at the beginning, but now with brands, you got not the brands we have and the products we're launching and the, the following we have and the email list we all got. Like, I think you just go with the product, try it out, see how it works uh, and use your audience to, to launch it. Yeah. thousand percent. Awesome. So what I want to kind of do is like pivot the conversation a little bit towards uh, how we met. So we had met at the, and he's drinking right out of the water bottle too, as I say. <laughs> yeah, short for the people who are. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we met at the Helium 10 uh, Amazon software, uh, like tool summit. And um, we, you know, I always tried to, I had the VIP pass, we both did. And I was like roaming around the VIP room, which is, I think where we met, right? Yeah. A, yep. A yep. VIP room. Um, at the time when I walked in, no, there was nobody there or maybe it was, mm-hmm. you. yeah, there's nobody there. So I just like sat down and then one or two people kind of came in, um, and we sat across from each other and, uh, we, we ended up talking and then all of a sudden, like we eventually started talking about like, you know, influences in, in the space and kind of like the rise and fall of the influencers throughout the, throughout the industry and how we were kind of discussing, Hey, a lot of them don't really do what they say they're doing or a lot of that information becomes like an echo chamber um, and a lot of major software that's being built or principles and like strategies that are kind of coming, they, they come back from these legacy influencers that actually don't even promote actively anymore. Nope. Um, and so I kind of want to pivot the discussion there and then center that around mastermind. So you and I both paid $10,000 to be in in a very intense mastermind. And I, I paid that twice for two different influencers. You know, I probably spent at least $65,000 on education um, over like a four-year period when I was just trying to throw everything into mastering this craft. And I've spent so, I spent so much money 
you know, from the cheapest $10 webinar to $10,000 mastermind to, you know, $400 a month coaching. Um, and it's just crazy how like sometimes your $10 masterminds could give you all the gold and your, your $10,000 course can give you absolute crap. So yep. can you speak to what you've seen in this space over this. Over yeah, this. I'm with you. I've seen the same type of setup and I think it's, you gotta be kind of cautious on who you're following and, and what you're investing in. Um, you know, there's a lot of noise out there. A lot of people are teaching courses and, and sometimes I, I feel like the ones that are the loudest are probably the ones you want to stay the furthest away from. Yeah. Uh, just my opinion. Uh, like some, sometimes, you know, those, the, they're teaching for a reason or they're, you know, they're promoting at events for a reason constantly. They're, they're everywhere for a reason. Like they're trying to build up their clientele, which is fine, which is great. Right. But yeah. Uh, I think the ones that uh, are a little bit more uh, reserved and there aren't the ones that aren't the loudest and the ones that are less known, those like underground mastermind groups, those are the ones where I find myself always going back to because uh, I'm with you. I, I've tried like, let me try this group out. Let me try this mastermind out. Let's see how this one works. At the end of the day, it's like, damn, that was a waste of money. Like <laughs> I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done it. I should have kept that, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand, whatever it was to invest in new products and right and, and i probably could have done it without this mastermind like yeah. i didn't need it but uh yeah i'm i'm one now and and uh i think we're in the same one and it's just something that i'll probably never get rid of like yeah. it's always <laughs> it, it's one that i like a lot it's one that we we both agree, talked about and, and there's a there's ones out there so i i encourage people listening like go do your research Find what fits best for you. Go test them all like we did, and, and you know, find the one that you like the most, and and stick with it, and just follow their principles, and implement those tactics into your business. Um, it's great. I don't know. I think it's important. Like, yeah, when we first started, there was none of that. Like, there was no mastermind. There was, you know, maybe a few people talking about it on YouTube, maybe a course here and there. But uh, come to find out, like the people that were doing courses earlier back in the day. They were just influencer marketer people just trying to get people to sign up for stuff and they didn't even know what they were doing. So I think now there's a lot more knowledge out there. Um, I just feel like when you find somebody, stick with them because it's easier. You, you could do this on your own, right? And and fail on your own and fail with your own mistakes or just come with the mastermind group or go follow somebody who's already had those mistakes. And now you can kind of prevent yourself from making the same mistakes they made uh, by learning you know, what they're teaching. So uh, I, I, lo I love learning. I, I seriously, like I was on a podcast the other day and somebody's like, who's your mentor? I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, like a lot of people yeah. because I love to like bounce ideas off everybody and people give ideas out. And um, I don't really have like one mentor. Like there's just a lot of people I like to learn from. Right. But I think it's important. I think it's important to learn. Yeah, definitely. I, I think now of like all the money I spent on education and the ones that I still continue to spend money on for me are the cheapest mastermind, like the cheapest um, monthly one that I have going on because it's just such good value. Uh, even though I haven't logged in about eight months, like the fact that it's so cheap and there's so much value behind uh, one of the places that I look at for information, I, I like the idea of kind of keeping it on uh on the back burner in case I ever need it. And then the more expensive one and the one that we're talking about, I pay for that one too. So it's like at the end of the day, when it comes to 
this industry or whatever you're looking at, for me, I've always found really good value. Usually, if you vet them good enough in the higher higher price mastermind, because you end up accessing people who have that kind of money, so they bring in uh, a higher caliber of uh, knowledge that's required to keep them in the mastermind. And then I also, for me, the cheapest one because it provides such massive, massive value. So um, for anyone listening, that's kind of why when I structured the vault uh, that is brand new and ready for anyone who's interested, I didn't want to be an influencer that charged thousands and thousands of dollars or hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, without one, having gone through it myself or two, like reach the point where I don't need to make $500 on a course or $2,000 on a course or charge you hundreds of dollars a month to give you access to information. Uh, I want to charge you only $18 a month. And then with that, uh, you can either take it or leave it. Kind of like how I do with other places. So I'm, obviously, this is a soft pitch for the courses and the information that I, that I provide. But at a higher level, the self-education has to be fundamental, in my opinion, to anything that you're doing if you really want to achieve like outstanding success in whatever you're doing. So reach out to different people. Take, take in knowledge really quickly. Like for me, after spending 60, 60 plus grand on education, if I look at someone, I'll, re, I'll watch like one or two of their podcasts, you know, watch a couple of YouTube videos. And if I feel like, hey, this guy's bringing the heat, I sign up and then I'll, I'll take a look at it and be like, okay, I learned this from this person. Um, I kind of assimilate it in my own unique way. You don't always have to do something step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six. If you take an, enough information from enough people, you can kind of craft your own strategy and you have like a wider skill set that you can then bring into your next product and your next initiative. Yeah, agree. And that's part of the position I have over here at Solozo is talking to sellers every day. And it's just nice to like have a seller on the, on the call. Like, let's see your listings and let's just talk shop. And, and maybe like the other day I was talking to a guy who sells one uh, toothpaste. He's like, it's an advanced toothpaste. Very, he's in the dentist industry. He, mm. He's researched all this. So he's, he knows he's talking about his product has thousands of reviews, but he only sells one, like one pack. And by the end of the call, he's, by the time we got done talking, he's going to add a two pack, a three pack, mm -hmm. a five pack to his mm -hmm. same listing. He's going to add a separate variation to it, mm -hmm. like a different flavor, like all this stuff. And he, and then at the end, he didn't even like, He's not even going to use Solozo probably not yet, but he got a lot more value out of that call just by booking a call than he would have anywhere on YouTube. Like, no, right, like right. He, fine. So just like that kind of stuff is fun for me. Like, I mean, like here's a different set of eyes. Why don't you add a two pack, add a three pack, add a five pack. You may get somebody that buys it. You may get a, a, a dentist office that buys five pack at $400 or whatever mm -hmm. you're selling it for. Um, and you could just see the light bulb go off in his head. And he was an older gentleman. And he, he's like, ah, you young guys. He's like, you young guys know what's going on. And so he, it was pretty cool. I, I think he's going to do well. But that kind of stuff is more rewarding than somebody paying me $100 for 30 minutes. Like, oh, yeah, I don't really care about that. Yeah, definitely. I think there, there is a, um, such a great feeling when one entrepreneur can help another. Right. And yeah. Um, that's one thing I love about you guys. Your guys' podcast, I think your podcast is titled Two Amazon Sellers and a Mic. So yeah, that's it. I really like that. Before we hopped on the call, we were comparing microphones here and, and the cost of yours and the, excuse me, the cost of yours and the audio quality. I'm like, oh man, like I, I got to check that one out. Like if you could just quickly explain how, how much you, how much you pay for that mic 
Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, start that on Amazon, do a little <laughs> search. And, and I knew I needed one with a USB into my laptop here. Right. Uh, but this mic, this mic and this boom arm, 1988, one, yeah. nine, eight, eight. So less than $20. Less than 20 bucks. I, I swear that's coming straight from the manufacturer. He's probably like, yeah, gotta be. <laughs> um, uh, and if for anyone's comparing the, the audio quality on that mic, one, I, I slightly apologize because I do post edit all the audio um, afterwards, but I, I'm telling you right now, I can hear it coming in really nice and clean. Good. Um, so what I'll do is I'll put a link below in the description to this to his specific mic so you guys can check out. I was actually looking for a mic now for myself to kind of, since I'm on so many like podcasts and then trying to create some a lot more content, um, I found this one here. I don't really like the name of it. So I, when I was doing podcast mic um, like research, I kept coming across like Blue Yeti um, oh. and, and some other ones out there in, in that category for me to travel with. Right? I, I can't really do the whole mic arm uh, type of thing. And I ended up coming across this one that just came out like I think within the last year, I do not like the name, and it's called F Deuce. F Deuce. F Deuce. Oh, someone can still hear that. So you sound form, good. Yeah, it sounds really nice and bassy, huh? Um, yeah. Because I realize when I hop on other people's podcasts, it doesn't really come in as bassy as I wanted to, and I didn't want to spend like three, four hundred dollars on a podcast that I'm going to be throwing around my luggage. And right before I went to go and check out um, of the podcast that I had done research on that was a bunch of YouTube videos that been out, that's been out for like five years. I saw this in the comparison, those who viewed this also viewed that category. So I was like, ah, like, no, I got the win. Like, yeah, I'm an Amazon seller. That's why I went and got, like, <laughs> got this one. Then you come through in this interview and you're like, yeah, I paid 20 bucks for this one. And it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you're being in space even longer. You're able to uh, yeah, I, just, yeah, I don't know what it was. I just started looking around and, uh, I know I needed one with the USB to the laptop, which is kind of difficult to look around. And I didn't want all this mumbo jumbo stuff. I just needed simple and, and this seemed to work. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then for everyone, anyone watching, just because I already talked about it, but the name for at least the one I'm talking about here, I'll link to Chris's one below, uh, but this one's called F Deuce and I don't really like how it looks. So that's why I'm, I'm, if anyone's watching the video, I'm keeping the mic kind of straight up, but I don't like how that looks either. I feel like sideways looks a bit more professional, but I don't like the name. So one thing I'm going to do is, uh, you know, you can custom print your own stickers. I'm going to try and take dimensions of this and then put yeah. G on front of it to try and yeah. over private label this podcast, Mike, because it's a little bit slight branding. I um, like it. On future podcasts. So hopefully people watching future videos of this or short videos uh, could, can see that. So um, that's, that's one little, uh, little, little thing that I'm working on right now. The other that I'm working on and things I kind of want to talk about now, um, having, you know, being an operator and continue to operate while uh, working for Solozo and what, you, what you're doing there, how much has like personal time management and like kind of, how, how has that been for you from, from an emotional standpoint, balancing different things, being on podcasts all the time? Um, you know, spending time with family. How do you go about doing that? Like, what lessons have you kind of learned? Yeah, it's it's kind of the same from when I started with Amazon. Like, your nine to five is you know the grind, the 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 work you're doing. Like, so that would be my that would be Solozo and trying to talk to sellers. And then from like the five to ten is like, let's go do Amazon stuff and let's figure out what new product is I'm going to launch. Mm -hmm. um, so and you just kind of hustle like back and forth, right? So 
that's what it's been looking like. Um, I do like to sit down like on the weekends and kind of forget everything. So like this weekend's coming up. Um, I try to not to turn on anything. I'll, I'll try to, uh, the, the VAs I work with, you know, that we've all agreed like Saturdays, we just turn everything off. Saturdays and Sundays, we just turn everything off. Now, sometimes on Sunday nights, uh, you know, with the VAs being, uh, different time zones, I can start, start to get that ball moving for the week a little bit earlier, like late Sunday night. Uh, but most of the time, you know, Saturday and Sunday, uh, it's like the checkout, let's check down. Let's, let's not worry about anything. Um, let's, if something does come up, we can address it then. But, um, you know, most of the time during the week is, you know, Salozo trying to get some sales and trying to get, uh, help sellers out. I love doing that. I really enjoy talking to people, uh, you know, through people that book demos and then, um, you know, source and product and, and so on. So yeah, uh, the similar hustle, right? Like you got your fires you got to put out and you got your things you're trying to scale. You just got to try to pick your priorities and, and, and do those and don't forget the family. And, and then I think it's really important to like shut it all down. Uh, I'll tell you a quick one. Last night we went, to, my wife and I went to uh, Kevin Hart. Uh, he did a stand-up comedian. Oh, nice. Yeah. He here locally, he's on, he's doing a tour right now. And so the crazy thing is crazy. So there's no cell phones. Uh, you can't bring a cell phone. in. so when, when you get there, uh, there's a company that takes your cell phone and they take your Apple watch. I didn't think they were gonna take my watch, but they took my watch. So they took my cell phone and my watch. Now, luckily the lady that was helping me out, she's like, cause my case has my ID in it. It has all my credit cards in it. She's oh, like, you're going to want it. You're going to want your ID. You want your credit card. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Good call. So I took all that stuff out, but they put your phone in a little locked case. And once they lock it, you can't lock, you can't unlock it. Uh, somebody has to like, they have a device that unlocks it, but it was nice. Like nobody, everybody was in the moment. There right. was no like photos and people right. taking video. It was just kind of nice to be checked out for a couple hours. Uh, but uh, they, they do have a spot in there where like, there's like a reserved area where you could take your phone out and, and be on it. That, there was people in line just to get their phone out so they could talk to somebody. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Y'all need to like put your phone away, check out, be in the moment, and just enjoy the people you're here with. You can who they can wait a couple hours. Yeah, you can get back to it. So I think it's important to do that. Yeah, I, I was. It makes me think when I was in the military and I'd go underground for like a solid day while still trying to run my business. You know, at the time when I first started, I was high ticket drop shipping. I couldn't afford a VA, and one, I was too scared to at the time. Um, but I still had to handle phone calls. So. Uh, <laughs> One of the things oh, that's I pretty hard do, down below, very hard down below. So one thing that I had to do is I had to drive to work, like onto the military base. And then we'd have to take a military uh, vehicle and then drive like another hour, hour and a half, sometimes more than that down to like the nuclear missile silo, you could say, and then turn off our phones. And then I'd be without my phone for a solid 24 hours. And then I'd come back up. Right. So it's almost like literally it was like a day and a half almost of not being able to access my cell phone when trying to run a business. And I, I was taking this course and it was like, yeah, you know, when you're first starting out, you know, you just make it work. You know, like I, I just step out of work and I, I answer the phone. And if it, you know, if I get fired for it, like screw it or, you know, I'll work around it. And I was like, well, how do I work around this? How do I work around like missing a call? How, how do I work around not being able to accept calls? Selling a $2,000 item because everyone's calling before oh. they buy. Like, how do I work around it? Um, so one, I was able to work around it by just working harder in other areas to make up for the lack of calls I was getting during that time. But I was optimizing 
probably over-optimizing to the point where I was like, okay, whatever I can do at work, within reason, I'm going to do. Whatever I can do at home, like I'm going to try and be pre present in every single moment. Excuse me. So to the point where I didn't want to check mail unless I was in the car and somebody else was driving. So I would, I would actually like my actual physical mailbox. When I got mail, I'd put it in a pile. And then when I left, my, my uh, when I left my house in the morning, because I'd be gone for a whole 24 hours, I'd shove my mail in my bag. And then when somebody else was driving, we would switch off who would drive in and who would drive out. When the other person was driving, I would literally pull out like from my pocket, my mail and I'd be like, uh, uh, my nice. utility bills. Uh, I'd be on my phone on literally on my Alibaba app. Um, like completely destroying the templates I had that, I, that everybody was kind of throwing out here and there. And I was like, I have to make this work. So I was just, messaging what felt right. Um, I had a lot of failures here and there. People would call and I wouldn't be able to answer. And um, it was just like, just kind of like get it done mentality. But then being able to like, some, sometimes it's, it's great for someone else to force us to turn it off. Um, but one thing I struggled with was as an entrepreneur, always being in the game is how do you turn it off when like nobody's around? Like, yeah. how do you turn off your mind? Because for me, like my mind was always working because like, crap, I just spent couple thousand dollars, $5,000, my first big failure. Um, and I think sometimes it's really important to really, like you just said over and over, like you said, shut it down. And I was actually having a really uh, hard time doing that. And it started kind of taking an, a, a toll on me. And when things got really, really tough, I started just trying to find all the different ways to optimize, not optimize, but to do better at my personal life, because I started realizing that that was affecting my product selection, it was affecting like everything. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the like little tricks that I learned uh, and it looks kind of, it looks and sounds kind of stupid, but it was like, do something physical and audio, like auto audible to create the action that you want. So I, after reading some blog posts, watch a couple of YouTube videos, I came up with for me, what I would do. And I still do today. If I'm like super in, in like deep work mode and I'm trying to like keep it nice, nice and tight. When I'm done working for the day, I'll literally look at my laptop. I'll, I'll like close the laptop down and I'll literally do this like with my hands. Like if someone's listening, I'll, from my hands to my side, I'll come together almost like in prayer and kind of clap my hands and I'll say, shut down. And like, nice. it's weird, but like I noticed after doing that every day for a week, it's like my subconscious mind shut down. So when I went home, yeah. went to, uh, hang out with some friends i wasn't nearly and sometimes i would still be like oh that's a good product idea or like you know th this person's making money this way but i wasn't there wasn't like this like the engine was actually able to turn off and i could save that fuel for later on i think it's important to do that like it just gives you like fuel for later on like you just mentioned uh, just a reset like uh, and i'm do i don't do the whole like mental like the shut it down i'm gonna start doing that i like that where you just like put your hands together and shut it down yeah. I just go through all my tabs, like everything good. Okay, we're done. <laughs> and just shut it down. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. Right. Definitely. Um, and then one thing I want to mention, because um, I'm in the process of doing it, is like, you know, it, I think it's really important to master parts of your daily life because they bleed into everything, right? Like, compartmentalizing our business from our relationships, from um, what we consume and how we do it throughout the day in my opinion, it, it is, ends up being one total system. Um, so when things are really, really hard for me, um, both financially, emotionally, because of my business, what I was sacrificing to try and make it work, 
one thing that really pulled me out through all of that uh, was journaling and um, coming up with, with a routine. You know, some people depend, and I'm not saying everyone has to do it, but at least for me, when it got really, really tough and I had nowhere else to go, I was like, well, like, what else can I do? So uh, if anyone's in that, in that uh, predicament or they feel like they're not reaching their goals, I would say like, try and find a routine and try and find some way of journaling. And so one thing I've been working on, um, and I've been wanting to do this for years, uh, is, is journal more. So I've been journaling for like five, six years. But coming up, I've been trying to come up with a system that allows people to be productive, analyze themselves um, outside of like after daily affirmations or things like that. I just I've come up with a system that I love and use. So if anyone's ever heard about time boxing, it's like what Harvard Business Review or Harvard has done a bunch of studies. And they're like, these are the things you can do to be the most productive. And the number one system is time boxing. And they say a lot of people and a lot of ads will say, this is what Elon Musk does is time box. And what it is, is basically like on a 24 hour schedule, you literally have like, okay, 8 a.m. I'm doing this. And you like box out the time, 9 a.m. you do this. Then after that, so you have time boxing. And then I think after that, it's like what some version of the 80-20 rule. Um, and then after that, it's like having some kind of flexibility. So I've over the last five, seven years, I've been trying to find a system, one that works for me, but two can help a lot of other people. So I've been prepping what I've been calling like my productivity planner and journal. And journal. Here. Nice. So this is like my first, my first version of it. Um, so inside of the vault, I, I kind of talk about uh, the systems I use behind it, pulling different principles from all different aspects of, of self-improvement, of root cause analysis, of habit tracking, goal tracking, goal setting, time boxing, but doing it in a way in which I realize a lot of these like um, systems that we use to be productive, they fall apart the moment the schedule changes. Like the moment someone is late to a Zoom meeting, like I was for this meeting, and I apologize for that. I, had, I, you know, I, I realized my availability was set way too early, and and this this initial call was six a.m. for me, and I hadn't gotten much sleep in the last couple of days. So I was like, oh crap! Like, hey, can we push it back thirty minutes? Well, if I did that and I, and I time boxed out everything, right, and used the journal, all that fell apart. And it fell apart for me really, really quickly when I was underground for a day and a half. Um, and you know, schedules change and stuff like that. So I. I've been coming up with a system that I call flexible time boxing that allows people to still be rigid, uh, but different. So I'm hoping, uh, so that was my version one, uh, my, the draft that I'm working on. I have like version two now ready, ready to go. And it's pretty intense. I'm super excited to show people about it in like a month or two. And I'm like super excited. I think I'm going to make like a dollar off this journal, but I'm really excited because I think it's going to help a lot of people, regardless if they're an Amazon seller um, or whatever they're doing. Anyone who like wants to, pursue whatever goals they have, I would, I really think this is going to help them from an emotional standpoint, from a self-reflection standpoint, and then from a productivity standpoint, and just be able to, and to like write stuff down and move things forward. I'm super excited for this. Uh, so that was kind of like my soft or hard, like push towards me talking about this journal. Um, well, I think it's important because like, you know, and I'm guilty of not doing this. So I'm glad you brought this up because I've heard people say like, get a productivity journal or there's there's a podcast out there that talks about a journal and that's what he sells is only just journaling yeah. um uh, and i'm guilty of not doing that uh so maybe that's something i should try because i think if i did have a clear vision right now it's got like a dry erase board and it looks like a kindergarten drove drove over it like it's this is a mess this is a mess but if i had some sort of like here's what you're gonna do tomorrow or what we did 
here's what I did today. What's, what are we going to do tomorrow? So that when I wake up, I go to this page and I can look exactly what I need to get done. I think that would ha- kind of help keep it on schedule. So I like that you brought that up. It's probably something I don't think a lot of people need to do, but they probably should do. Well, side note, I'd love to give you a free copy. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to try it. Of my, of my product. I'll leave you an honest review. How about that? Yeah, leave me an honest review to Product <laughs> Testers Club. Would you love to be a product sure. on the ground yeah. floor? You know, you already know the whole sales pitch, right? VIP, True. right? Um, so, okay. So last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, because of what you're doing right now, specifically at Celzo, it looks like, I know if you could maybe talk about what are you guys doing at that company and what, what services do you provide for other Amazon sellers? Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, so. Solozo is a software tool for Amazon PPC. Walmart PPC is something that we're currently working on. This tool was built by uh, engineers who built something similar for Google. So it's a lot of Google background um, built inside this tool. Really, really smart team behind it of of engineers and developers. Uh, My role is on the sales side. So I talk to sellers. uh, And what I do every day is first thing we do is we look at the listings. Uh, you know, because you can run Amazon PPC uh, and you could either have a, a bad listing and you're going to be mad at Amazon and think this whole Amazon thing doesn't work. Or if you've done your listing right, uh, you can generate a lot of sales, you know, get ranked organically and all that good stuff. So uh, my colleague Dustin and I, um, Dustin is another seller that's local here uh, where I'm located. And he also talks to sellers every day. Uh, we We just look at your listing. We help with your PPC. We automate it. We built this tool and this is going back early and it's probably something you remember uh, a tool called ManyChat, M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T, ManyChat. ManyChat was a messaging chat software that would give you a good visual on like your starting step and you would be able to build like a web of like how people are going to interact with your, uh, with your chat bot. So like if somebody said, yes, I'm interested, they would go to this new chat sequence. We're doing the same type of setup with PPC. So if you think about your visual, you had an auto campaign and you want to draw and you want to create a link to go to your broad campaign, right. you've got that same type of visual that we're doing. So we help, we help people with PPC. We help them automate it. Uh, the things that we automate are bids. So every day your bid gets adjusted based on your ACOS. Uh, and we also automate the transfer of keywords, negative keywords we automate, uh, day parting we automate. Um, so it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot uh, working with this company and there's probably a lot more to come. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I have a PPC course inside of my vault. And to be honest, one of the things I talk about is, you know, you learn the fundamentals, but I mean, you need to use a tool and you need to be, you need to be bit optimizing. You can't be doing this stuff manually in such a Everybody's way. doing it. Every, everybody has a tool. Everybody, like all the sellers, they either have a VA doing it daily or they're using some type of software. There's so many softwares out there that the days of like setting your bid, and I may get backlash on this, but the days of setting your bid like on a Monday and not changing your bid again until the next Monday, like I think that's what we're over with because it's oh, so competitive. Cost per clicks yeah. are going through the roof. You got to be on it. You got to have somebody managing it. You can't just start an auto campaign and let it run. And then a week later, take the terms out, put it in the manual. Okay, man, that, that, that's, that's really not a good strategy. So yeah, you got to be on it. Yeah, it's reckless. It's, it's, it's reckless. I think years ago, I think when I started running PPC, um, a lot of people at the time, at least you know, the Facebook groups, they're all like, oh yeah, like I don't use PPC. Like it was such a common narrative that, at one point, imagine this, at one point in, in the Amazon third-party seller 
uh, journey or, or narrative. The masses were not using Amazon PPC and they felt like it didn't work. It was like, yeah, PPC like doesn't work. This is back then where you literally could throw up a $20 a day budget. Like you said, check it once a week, every couple of days and be successful. And like now, no. And I would imagine anyone who, who first runs a campaign now will realize that very, very quickly. So you have to use software and you have to use, you know, software is just a tool at the end of the day. Um, so you have to know what you're doing, trust who you're outsourcing that stuff to. Um, and, and that kind of stuff can, can't, can't be uh, I mean, uh, overstated or understated. Uh, specifically, I think about why, why the tool is so important because at the end of the day, PPC is the closest uh, point in the funnel to the customer. So if you think about selling on Amazon, what things can you do? Yes, you can drive outside traffic by influencers, blogs, uh, make your own content, et cetera. But on Amazon, you always want to first optimize, in my opinion, closest to the point of conversion or at the bottom of the funnel. So if the person's on the Amazon product page, right, and you've done your listing optimization as best you can, the next best thing you can do, and even regardless, is still drive traffic to that listing. And you want to do that with Amazon PPC before you do it with a Facebook ad. And the reason for that is, your Amazon PPC, the customers there on Amazon, they're in the buying mode. They typed in the, the product search query that they're looking for. So that's when you want to show up. You don't want to be spending money out of the gate on a Facebook ad for someone who's just trying to get to their next video and relax for the day. So one, focus on PPC as part of your core tenant of becoming a successful Amazon seller. And two, leverage a software. Three, make sure that software is good. And Four, on top of that, you have to make sure that what you're doing is, is correct because you can really lose three, four, five K, seven K like that in a month because you, you, you mess that up completely. So you have to educate yourself. You have to work with people who know and what they're five, doing. And five, make sure the people behind the tool know what they're doing, right? Like definitely make sure there's somebody building something or there's people with knowledge. Right. The tool. And, and so a, so a soft pitch for you too is like try and find people who have been in the PPC game who have members on their team who've been in since 2013. Extremely hard to find. And when you have that, you have principles that are grounded in, in actual success, not someone who's like, who's pushing out content at scale and is like, oh, you know, like we're, we're this agency where we have this many clients. Because I'm starting to realize now, trying to be an influencer in the industry, how it's almost like, why didn't I see this before? I feel like obviously the Amazon industry is becoming more, I talk about like more, corporate than it has been more scrappy entrepreneur. Um, but nowadays it's like a lot of these big agencies, I realize they're just getting clients because they're VC backed and their friend is also VC backed. So they have the, the ad spend to go and, and buy the biggest booths and, and be sponsored by all these other people left and right. They get all this visibility, right? While having worked at aggregators, having managed huge accounts, having been on the back end of some of the largest PPC agencies, front end and the back end, and realizing how many people who are creating strategy, campaign strategy, and then also executing on their bids do not know what they're doing. And brands, huge multi-million dollar brands who do not know what they're doing. It's a, it's a rampant problem, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. take, do your due diligence, reach out to Chris uh, if you are interested and, uh, and get your PPC managed in, in, in a very, very healthy way. So uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, on the show. Of course. I hope to have you back here soon. We can catch up on 
on the state of Amazon and, and everything that we're up to. Well, thanks for having me, Reggie. Uh, you're a good guy in the space. Uh, you're doing good things, and I, I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Chris, and uh, we'll be in touch. Take care.